on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Tiger and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We predict OU's depth chart for the opener. We talk about David Stone committing, recap some week zero games, and give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Sunday, August 27th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iger and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack. Blackjack Match Roulette and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of August, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Sunday morning, and it is officially game week. Ted Layman, let's go. It's here. It's here. It felt like... uh... About a month ago, we were knocking on the door, and then, like August always does, drags out a little bit, and then it's on you before you know it and before you're ready. So here we go. We are we are officially here. Game week. I'm fired up. Now, a lot of excitement for the season, a lot of excitement when it comes to recruiting. So I'm going to let you pick, Ted, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with predicting the depth chart, right, which I think will come out here in a couple of days? Or do you want to start with a big recruiting win for Brent Venables and Todd Bates when it comes to the David Stone commitment? I'm going to let you choose. Which path would you like to choose, sir? Depth chart. You're you you like to live in the here and the now. I like the here that. And the now. What's Love that about you. Okay. The most right away. Let's go with that. All right. So we're going to start with our depth chart prediction. And yeah, it's only a couple of days till we'll know what this looks like. And I do anticipate. Quite a few oars on the depth chart, but let's the trend start with this the, year. It looks like right cross yeah. college football. Yeah, do you see Oklahoma State's depth chart? Yeah, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but you look at the offensive side of the ball, quarterback. It's easy, right? You're gonna have Dylan Gabriel as your starting quarterback. You're gonna have Jackson Arnold. He's gonna be your solo QB two. There's not gonna be any oar in that situation. So, Ted, that one's pretty. Pretty simple right there. There, There's not any mystery when it comes to what the QB situation looks like. Straightforward. We know what we're going to get right out of the gate. Um, You know, and and like we've said, and I believe Jackson Arnold's going to get a lot of time. Um, And, you know, hopefully the non-conference games are handled the way they should be, and he gets plenty of time in those. But I also believe that he's 
whether it's a package, whether it's a drive, I think he's going to be a part of the offense, even as we get into the tougher parts of the schedule. Yeah. So pretty simple at the QB spot on the depth chart. QB one, Dylan Gabriel, QB two, Jackson Arnold. Offensive line, I feel very confident, right? And what the first group is going to look like. I think left tackle, you're going to have Walter Rouse. Left guard, you're going to have Savion Bird. Center, it's going to be Andrew Rame. Your right guard is going to be McCabe Matoyer. And Tyler Guyton Tyler is going to be your right tackle. So QB, O-line, not a bunch of mystery here, right? I don't, I don't foresee any surprises. Maybe there's some intrigue in what, what the second group of O-linemen may look like. Right. Where where do they put Caden Green? You know, what where does it where do they put Everett? Is he going to be at guard or center when you look at the depth chart? But really, QB and O line, I feel like it's there there is absolutely no mystery there what it's going to look like. No, I agree. And I think that's a good thing because you know, it sounded like we to start off camp, there was going to be some competition across the interior. And it looks like this was the first group that trotted it out and never really gave up that spot for anyone else to, uh, to jump in. So that makes you feel pretty good about it. I like the setup of it. I like that Savion bird is in between Rame and Rouse, your two most experienced guys. And I like that Matoyer is in between Guyton and Rame. Guyton's a little less experienced and Matoyer's a little more experienced. I just think, whether that matters at all, maybe it doesn't. I just like the layout of it. Um, I agree. And as far as the number two, I feel like offensive line is kind of like special teams in a sense that what your number two looks like is not necessarily like if, I don't know, if Matalier goes down, it's not always necessarily the number two right guard that goes and plays there. Right. Right. You may slide Savian Bird over, and then the backup left guard goes in for Bird. So there's like, there's like this big mix-up whenever it comes to someone going down on the first unit. But I like it. I think it looks good. I like the amount of continuity that they've had as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's an exciting group. Uh, I'm I'm starting to get really excited to watch that first group of O linemen play. And it's funny that you mentioned that because you've got what I believe is your two most talented O-linemen, right? And Savion Bird and Tyler Guyton, you've got them surrounded with a lot of experience. Yeah. Right? Which is, and, and not to say those guys aren't, you know, don't, aren't where they need to be mentally when it comes to understanding the playbook and all that stuff, but it's just calming. It's calming when you have people around you that know exactly what you're doing. Right. Right? I, I cannot tell you the levels of anxiety I would experience if I was playing next to guards that I knew like, Hey, I am responsible for telling this guy what to do basically on every snap. Yeah. It, it's exhausting. It's draining. But for those guys that have just some serious physical gifts in burden guidance to be surrounded with all that experience, hopefully that allows them to really just unleash all of those gifts. Right. Because, because of the communication that'll take place along the offensive line, and just being surrounded by guys that have played a lot of ball. Yep. And just to build on that a little bit is I think maybe what's going to help this offensive line out as opposed to maybe some past offensive line groups is 
the level of defensive line they've been blocking against throughout training camp is much higher. Whether it's yeah. the one deep, two deep, three deep for the defensive line for for Oklahoma, it's been a it's been a much better group across the board for those guys to kind of sharpen the edge against. Yeah, uh, that's a tremendous point. All right, looking at the rest of the offensive depth chart, tied in. I mean, did they have more than one? <laughs> right. It, it's there's no doubt. Austin Stogner is going to be your starter at tight end. And I think one of the most interesting discussions when you talk about predicting the depth chart is who's going to be TE2, right? Is yeah. it Blake Smith? Is it like, has Jason Llewellyn done enough now that he's been out, uh, back out at practice? Like, has he shown Joe John Finley enough for him to put him out there and trust him? I, I don't know, but I, I do think that tight end position, that's one of the more interesting interesting scenarios when it comes to this depth chart i just i you you really don't hear much about anyone else other than stogner yeah this backup tied in number two tied in may lead the depth chart in oars like this is this could be where you see it um i'm with you and it's it's one of the more interesting spots just because of how big of a spot it was last year, right? Kind of the, not necessarily the the number two tied in, but the move tied in. Like who who do they have out there for some of their, the running game, play action stuff where they're moving that, that tied in across the formation and line them up in different spots. And, you know, we're thin there. Love to see someone emerge as, as a, uh, a really useful tool there guy that can block that can you know be a part of play action that's like, we need that's one of those spots that you don't talk about a lot but the better we are there the better our offense is going to be big time yeah now well tied into a bit of a mystery i think wide receiver and running back are the two most fun positions to talk about right when it comes to what this depth chart is going to look like here's my prediction the first group of wide receivers, Jalil Farouk, Drake Stoops, Andrell Anthony. I think the second group is going to be Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, Gavin Freeman. I could see LV Bunkley Shelton being an or somewhere in there. And I could definitely see Jacquez Petaway being an or in there as well. But we've seen Farouk, Stoops, and Anthony run out there with the first group a whole lot. So that's what I'm anticipating. And then there may be a lot of oars in this situation as well. Yeah. But those six to seven guys really are the ones when you, you know, you look at them, you go, okay, those are going to be the the key playmakers, the key contributors at wide receiver for this team. Or at least that's how I see it. Totally agree. Uh Farouk, Stoops, and Andrell Anthony, that seems to have been the number one all the way back in the spring. Right. Um got no reason to believe that that's going to change. And I feel like it's more of a scoreboard announced starters there. And after the first series, any mix of any number of these guys at all of the positions is probably what you're going to get drive by drive. Right. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, Gavin Freeman's not listed as a, I don't think he'll be listed as a starter, but 
we may look at the the game film after the game and say he played more snaps than any of the wide receivers. I I think that that's going to be a legitimate thing that could happen. So um, I I totally agree with the starters. I like that group, and let's see how we build on it. In, in my experience, yeah, wide receivers they want to be they want to be the guy that runs out there first. And that's how every player is. But really, it's all about targets and touches. Mm-hmm. As long as they're getting their targets and touches, they really don't care if they run out there first, right? It's about getting the football, and it's about the quarterback looking their way. So, I, I think that's a that's a perfect example of you know for someone like Freeman. Yeah. With everything the staff has said about him, right? We know he's going to get touches. Right. We we know Nick Anderson, if he can if he can show the level of consistency that he's shown throughout camp, right? And maybe fix some of these drop issues, the guy's got just a massive upside. Like they're gonna want to get that guy touches. So that is where I wonder where LV Bunkley Shelton fits into all of this. But you you know they're gonna want to get Petaway snaps to develop him for the future. I don't know. It's to me, wide receiver. It's about the targets and touches, man. That's that's kind of how I view the position. Yep, that's it. That's it. I, I totally agree. Um, and I think that that like who's gets the most targets and touches. I think that could morph throughout the season. I think it could look totally different the first three games than it does the the last three games. And that's that's not just that position. It's that's a lot of those as you see who's whose production ramps up and. And who dips? So I totally agree with you. Running back, this is where I expect all the oars. I, I I'm really expecting as far as the starter, right? RB one. I'm an ex, I'm expecting an oar between Javante Barnes and Marcus Major. Right now, maybe you put the old guy at the top. Right, it says Marcus Major or Javante Barnes. Right, maybe there's a seniority thing. I don't think it really matters. I would expect RB two to be. Sawchuck or Tawi Walker. Maybe you throw another or on there and you put Caleb Hicks in the mix. I, I I don't know, but I'm expecting the running back position on this depth chart. It's just going to be one giant or that's, yep. that's my expectation. Yeah. And just kind of the, the same way is I, I think it's, I, I agree with exactly what you're saying and production will sort it out production and mental mistakes like that's going to sort out who stays at the at the top spot. You know, I, it's we always look at how many carries and how much yards, and that's a that's a good way to go about it. But mixed in there, and maybe more importantly, is who's got the most mental mistakes, who hangs yeah. onto the ball, who you can trust to, with ball security, those things. So, I think that'll sort itself out. And you know, usually when you get into the rhythm of a season, you could tell pretty quickly who your best back is. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with that. Now, any prediction on who takes the first carry of the season, does that even matter? Right. The, the, I get, it always matters in my opinion, like whoever gets to run out there first right now, it could depend on, Hey, are you receiving the kickoff? Where are you out on the field? Like, are you backed up? Like there, right. there's some situational stuff there. Touchback but, ball in the 25, first drive of the, the season. I think Marcus Major gets the first carry. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Now, hey, maybe it's Barnes. Maybe they 
maybe Arkansas State pins them deep and we see Tawi Walker trot out there, right? right? In some uh a goal line situation. But I just I don't know. I, I for whatever reason, Major's been healthy. He's looked really good throughout camp. I'm expecting him to to jog out there first, but we'll see. We don't have to wait that long, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I I I totally agree. I don't know. It's one of those where what you see may what you see may not be what you get when it comes to depth chart and then what we see out on the field. But I'm I, we're in agreement with what it should look like or what it will look like. Yeah. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. I'm just going to let you do your thing here, man. Let let's start with the defensive line. What what do you think that depth chart's going to look like? It's tough whenever you go across the board. I think you'll probably have um probably have Downs, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, and then Bothroyd would be my guess is your starting four. But just like wide receiver, just like running back, I think that your listed depth chart is not going to match up with the amount of snaps for different guys at different positions as the as the game unfolds. Um, you know, I think I think Downs probably I think will be jogging out if there's a possibility for it on third down, and you'll have our Mason Thomas jogging in all right um after the first couple of snaps anytime you got a uh an opportunity i think kelly and co will be jogging out and luulu and terry will be jogging in like there's going to be there's going to be a lot of mix up and your starters are not ultimately going to be what the uh what the in in result looks like i'm thinking so looking at this is this is my prediction i'm guessing Ethan Downs is going to be one of the ends and Rondell Bothroyd, right? Just the way this is going to look on the depth chart. Mm -hmm. And then just with, with what I've seen, I really do expect it to be like a Jordan Kelly or Jonah Laulu and then Isaiah Coe or Dejon Terry. Yeah. That that's how I see it looking in my head, right? I, I think they viewed those four guys all as starters. Pretty interchangeable. Yep. I agree. And, which is a, which is a good thing, right? It is. We've talked a lot about, you know, the the need for difference makers in the interior, and I think they feel a lot better about there not being a drop off between that first group of D tackles and that second group. I just think they're going to be listed as co starters because remember, like they sent BV sent Laulu to Big Twelve Media Day. Yeah, right? like I don't think you send backups to Big Twelve Media Day now. Maybe you do. And by but, all accounts, he's done nothing to like change that feeling of where he was at that point. Yeah, but I do think because it does matter that it that your name is at the top of the depth chart, whether people think that matters or not. I'm telling you, it does. Right when you look at it as a player and you go, "I'm at the top." Hell yeah, Jordan Kelly and Isaiah Coe, like they've been here longer, right? No. Especially Jordan Kelly, guy has grinded for this program for for a long time now, and he's been their most consistent interior guy. I just think a guy like that kind of earns to have his name at the top. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, you know, when it comes to oars, that's what the depth chart is going to say. But 
on game day when they're doing the starting lineups, there's one guy that gets the starting lineup video. Yeah, and, and that matters. And that's who I think it it's it's going to be. Yeah. I agree. But I do think that of all the oars on the depth chart, and there's going to be probably a bunch of them if you look at college football, I think the interior defensive line is the most legitimate oar there is. Right. I, there's four guys for two spots that could all in any – like combination be starters and you'd be hundred percent fine with that. Yeah. I do wonder, like, is it possible that we see Reggie Grimes as an, or with Bothroyd or downs? Yeah. You know, guy that's played a lot of football, right? Maybe kind of a sign of respect there. Although I expect downs and Bothroyd to be the first two guys that run out there on the field. I do wonder if we'll see an, or there are Mason Thomas. Right? We've talked a lot about how, you know, what we're expecting from him, especially as a pass rusher this season, like could he get an or could trace Ford get an or is that kind of be those guys are all listed as second teamers and maybe there's some ors that connect them there. I mean, maybe that's the easiest way to do it, but I don't know if it really even matters that much, but it just something to keep an eye on. There's definitely going to be ors there because our Mason Thomas, Trace Ford, even stripling, those are not threes, right? right? There's because you have you have a big drop off from being a number two to a number three, and none of those guys are number threes with the way that they rotate. So, I I totally expect there to be a lot of oars once you get past the starting group, and there may be some in the starting group because those guys like they're. It's just it's a great two deep across the board at every position. It's as it's as good as we've had it there in a long time. Yeah. From the from the depth. Now maybe not an elite playmaker, right, in the entire group, but you you certainly are feeling I know going into the season, I'm feeling much better about a lack of drop off between the one the first group and the second group. And that that's important. That is that's a key to playing much better defense, right? Overall team defense, right? If you don't have that drop off along the defensive front. All right, linebackers, that's that's your wheelhouse, man. What do you expect it to look like? I think uh I think at Mike Backer you get Canick. I think at Will Backer you get Stutzman. Um whenever you go into the number twos, I think at Mike Backer you'll probably have uh Kobe McKenzie or Connor Near. Uh at backup Will Backer, I expect you to have Kip Lewis with no with no or. Right. That's exactly what I expect. And maybe you know, some- Shane Witter gets an or there because you know he's he's the experienced guy. He's been there. He's been rotating in that group. Um, you know, he was he was coming off of a, a surgery throughout the spring and had to have the blue jersey on and He's been in training camp, so he was a little bit behind because of that. But, you know, he's been get, getting quite a bit of rotation as well. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. And you know, there's been a lot of chatter about, okay, maybe it's gone a little quiet on the Kobe McKenzie front, right, with him challenging Canick for that spot. Just a little banged up, right, during yep. camp. And when you're banged up, right, and the other guy's healthy, it's it's oh. hard. It's hard to battle for the job. I mean, clearly, that that's obvious. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, 
I think he'll get plenty of opportunities. I think you'll, you'll probably see at least three backers play at Mike in in the first game. I think you'll see Canick there. I think you'll see Kobe McKenzie if he's ready to go. And I think you'll see Connor near for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, you know, it's something to watch in the future is if that Mike backer spot, because we're young and inexperienced, if, if there's a lot of mental mistakes coming there, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at some point that Stutzman ends up at Mike. But, you know, I think that's down the road at some point as a, right. as a fix. Yeah. I think Cheetah, I think that may be the most interesting or like to or or not to or at Cheetah, I think is one of the most interesting discussions when it comes to what this step chart is going to look like. I think you and I both agree. Justin Harrington is definitely the starter at that position. But Desan McCullough, they're very different players. They have different strengths. They have different weaknesses. Are you expecting there to be an or at that cheetah spot? Or do you think it's going to be a clear cut? Hey, Harrington's one, McCullough's two. I think it's clear cut one and two. And I think the two is maybe where you see some or because of situational stuff. Like they could play some different guys at that cheetah spot. Pearson's played some, uh, Bowen has played some. So I think you could get an or at the number two, but I, from what I've seen, Justin Harrington's the number one and there's, there's no one else. Yeah. That doesn't mean that's what, how it's going to be. Like I could totally understand that uh, if they were to do that, but I don't think it'll look like that. Like yeah, on the field. I, I do think I have been wondering like, where, where's Peyton Bowen going to be on this thing? They're, they're going to want him to be, a two somewhere on the depth chart. Now, does it make more sense for him to be a two at one of the safety spots? Does it make more sense for him to be, you know, an or with McCullough at the cheetah spot? Like he's been playing all of it. So I am interested to see just where he specifically is on the depth chart, but he's going to be a two in some capacity, right? The guy's going to play. Yeah. But, that's where that the safety spot is interesting. Like, what do you think there? It's going to be Billy Bowman's going to be one of them. I could see the other safety spot being Reggie Pearson or Key Lawrence. But I, I does does Bowen fit in there? Does he fit at Cheetah? Like, where do you think he's going to be? I think I think the starters are going to be Pearson and and Bowman. I think. Uh, Bowen is going to be a number two there. I think he'll be listed as a two at safety. I think he'll be listed as a two at Cheetah. And depending on how much they expand packages on the depth chart, which probably isn't very much, like there's, there. I mean, Bowen is a starter in certain situations. I don't know that that'll be listed on the depth chart, though. I think he'll be a number two um, at safety and at Cheetah. Cheetah as an or at number two. Gotcha. Corner. Do you agree with that? I, I think so. It it wouldn't hurt to have the fan base see his name a couple of times on the depth chart either. Like there's just so much excitement around him and yeah. the staff is just you know blown away by his talent. 
and his football IQ. So yeah, he's he's going to play multiple spots, right? And they've been working him at multiple spots. So it only makes sense to put him on the depth chart a couple of times, right? Right. Yep. That's it. Which which showcases the versatility. And as last spot is corner. And I think you're going to get Woody Washington as your starter at one of them. And I think the other one's going to say Kendall Dolby or Josiah Wagner. And I think that battle is going to be decided this week. Like, I think it's, we'll see who runs out there first, but I'm expecting an or on the depth chart. Yeah. You may have another, you may have Gentry Williams there too. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, you know, he's been rotating through that spot and Woody Washington's had a great camp. He's, He's been locked in the entire time. Uh, Wagner's had a great camp. Dolby, I, there's a good battle at that other spot, and I think you'll you'll see any number of those three guys play. I would say right now that as long as he's healthy and everything is good, I would say that Wagner's your your leader for that spot. Yeah. No, could be starting a true freshman at corner. Which say hey. Says a lot about what Wagner's been able to do since he got on campus. Right. Yeah. That's and, and we talk about, you know, corner, wide receiver, like guys that can get on the field early. Still, man, to come in, and I know this defense was not good a year ago. I understand that. But to come in and start at Oklahoma as a true freshman just doesn't happen often, dude. Doesn't matter what position or what side of the ball, it doesn't happen often. No, that's impressive. All right, any any other depth chart thoughts before we move on to some exciting recruiting news? I think it feels pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I think the fan base may overreact to a thing or two, but especially defensively, and I just think a lot of guys are going to play, especially in the non-conference. Yeah. A lot right. of times I feel like the or is used as a a cop out a cop out, a making people their feelings not get hurt, and oftentimes used as also a a way to hide what you're going to be doing. Like you don't have to release a legitimate depth chart, college football. So I think there's some hiding as to what's going to go on there. But I think at least where I expect to see some oars, I think they're legitimate oars. Like I think you're legitimately still having position battles with some of those guys and you feel good about either one. Yeah, no, I am. I'm definitely with you, but yeah, there are going to be a lot of oars. It's going to be fun to count them. (laughs) It's going to be fun, but yeah, that's, that's always exciting when the depth chart comes out. All right. Recruiting David stone, the number six overall player in the 2024 class, according to the 24 seven sports composite has committed to Oklahoma he is Dell City's own. Uh, now he's at IMG, but Ted, this is this was kind of my reaction. Oh, thank God! <laughs> no, because I I don't think the fan base would have would have handled it well if this didn't go the Sooners' way. But it, it could have been a meltdown. But he ends up committing to Oklahoma, and this is just, man, how big is this for Venables for the program for just everything about it. I think it's – we had to have it. The right. way it's gone recently at the interior defensive line spot and where we've led on guys for an entire year and to miss out at the very last moment, 
has been very difficult for the fan base to stomach, and I'm sure the coaching staff as well. Um, so it was it was one where I don't know how the coaches felt, but it was uneasy going into this one. Uh, Stone has um, he's he's had a good time with the recruitment. And um, when he picked up that Oklahoma hat, put it on his head, you were waiting like, like, how long does he have to keep this hat on before we we go ahead and lock that commitment in? Um, but it was awesome. That's a big, big, big get for the Sooners. Here's the thing, though. I When you have defensive linemen, it's the most difficult position to recruit. It's, it's the most competitive position to recruit the recruitment has to continue even after the commitment with these guys. And that goes for guys that you lost and that goes for guys that you got. So, um, thrilled with it. We need it. You know, we're going to be thin. We talk about how great our, our two deep is right now. It's all seniors and it's all guys that are going to be gone. So we need some good quality depth and, we're probably going to be living in the transfer portal at the interior defensive line position for a while, but the more talent we get like David Stone in, the the less we'll have to rely on that moving forward. I'm with you. It with with his ties to Oklahoma, it was just I, I just feel like it was going to be really bad if he committed somewhere else. Yeah. Right. And there's an NIL piece to this and all that, but you you have to keep that type of guy in your state, right? You just have to end. We all know the emphasis Venables and this staff have been putting on recruiting the talent in Oklahoma, right? It feels different. Yep. Right. But I think the message that sends to other schools, like, no, 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 if there's a guy in Oklahoma, he's, he's coming to OU, right? That That's important. And that necessarily hasn't been the case here recently. And hopefully this starts more of a trend. Yeah. Right. To where the most talented players in this state look at OU and go, no, no, no. I can get everything I want out of my college career if, you know, I go play at Oklahoma. And we've all seen Stone's personality on social media. Right. And all the energy he puts into that. My hope is that he will now channel that energy into recruiting other top prospects in the 2024 and 2025 classes. Yep. I agree. Because right? he he clearly he's got that presence about him, right? Mm-hmm. Right. He's got a pretty infectious personality, and a lot of other prospects took notice of him recruiting, especially the way he did. Right. You're talking, what was it on ESPN two? Like it was a it was a big it was deal. A big deal. Very big deal. So when you look at him. But the guy's got some serious physical gifts. Really good get off. Twitchy for a guy that size. He's actually super lean. Mm-hmm. Like as you watch him, like there's a there's it, a lot of frame there. That you wonder where untapped. he's hiding the 280, don't you? Yeah. yeah. That's where good. I mean, and he looks to be something that we just haven't had. Like he looks like he can be an elite level interior pass rusher. Which, what, Neville Gallimore? Right? Maybe Perion Winfrey belongs in that conversation, but Perion didn't have the production. Right. So, I mean, it's been a long, long time since OU has had a guy in the interior where you're like, that dude is a menace 
on second and long and third and long, like in obvious passing situations, like they got to send the protection his way. They have no choice but to do that or else he is going to wreck the game. Yep. Oh, you just hadn't had that type of guy. And this is the type of guy that, you know, with the proper development with Schmitty in the weight room, adding some, adding a lot of strength, adding some weight with develop skill development with Todd Bates, like, he should be able to get there. He should be able to become that. And hopefully Gerald McCoy can teach him a thing or two. He's been all over this kid, right, and when it comes to recruiting him to OU. But it's it's really exciting to think what he can be as a player. Three five-star defensive players in the last two recruiting classes. Now, the ink hasn't hit the paper yet. I understand, but where we sit right now, the two last year with Adabare and Bowen, and you've got one so far this year with David Stone, and they're still in on some more. So, um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's not the the end of it this year, but that's big time. Now, it takes a little bit for all of that talent to come online, right? Um, we're going to see plenty from Bowen this year. I think we'll probably see uh, Adabare as well, but where those guys like where your starting lineup starts to get filled up with those guys can take a little bit for it to come online. But there is no doubt, number one, that the roster is improving by the minute at Oklahoma since Venables got here. And number two, people are noticing across the country the way that Oklahoma is recruiting. They're noticing. So uh, and I think momentum is key for the longest time. There was this perception block with Oklahoma about playing defense and caring about defense and devoting time and resources to recruiting and, and coaching it well, that's not there anymore and you can you can tell by the talent that we're bringing in and I think that wall is down and it's only going to get easier and easier to recruit those guys and you know with that in mind man it it makes the way that they play defense this season really important Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you're right. The momentum, like a guy like David Stone saying, Hey, I want to go play for Venables and for Bates. They got to play some better defense this year. Right. We, we can't. And, and I expect them to. I think you and I both agree. Like they're going to be better defensively. But you, you have to show improvement, right? To, to continue to build on that momentum on the recruiting trail. Right. Yeah. And this, like the worst thing that could happen for David Stone's recruitment, right? And you're right. Man, it's not over till it's over with a guy as talented as him. That's just, that's college football recruiting. That's how it works. If OU comes out, drops a couple games early and struggles, like imagine what those other coaching staffs are going to be saying to David Stone yeah. or any other big-time defensive recruit that Oklahoma has in the boat right now. So that's, it is... It's so important that they show improvement on the field this season because that, yeah, like selling the vision is one thing, but these kids have eyes, man. Yep. And they need to see, we need to see better play on that side of the football this season from Oklahoma. And that will help you. I mean, that will be a massive help on the recruiting trail. It'll be even, just even a bigger bump than what we've seen. Yep, and two quick points to follow up on that. Number one, 
I will be shocked and saddened if we don't play much better defense than we did a year ago. I don't expect it to be perfect. I don't expect it maybe even necessarily we'll see to be a top 25. But I will be shocked if it's not vastly better than we than we saw a year ago. And number 2 that makes it even more the uh more impressive that they did pull stone after going 6 and 7 and having one of the worst defenses in school history. Right? Yeah. Because the vision had been being sold and it went out there in year one and fell well below the mark. And you're still able to pull a five-star after that. That's don't waste it. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Don't, don't waste it. it. And now clearly the move to the sec, I'm sure played a large Huge. role in that as well, but yeah, got to play better defense this year. Duh. Okay. A couple other commitments for OU that happened late last week that clearly have been a little overshadowed by what happened with David Stone, but man, I'm excited for Andy Bass, right? You, you know how much I'm always rooting for the Oklahoma city guys. Dude's an athlete right now plays quarterback at heritage hall, led into a state championship last year, but this guy did a great job at OU's camp, right? Where he earned his offer. This guy is jacked, man. (laughs) I mean, he is a solid 200 and I just, I can't wait to see, how they use him on offense, right? This is a guy that can play wide receiver. He can play running back. As a quarterback, he can throw it, right? Like, he's not one of these guys that's running all over the place. Like, he is – he's slinging it around there at Heritage, but plays with a lot of physicality for a quarterback. And it just goes back to, you know, Venable's doing a really good job of landing more in-state guys that, you know, previously probably end up somewhere else. But I was I was fired up to see that. I know a lot of the guys that coach him there at Heritage Hall. Sounds like he's a tremendous kid as well, right? They're always putting character kind of above everything else. Sounds like Andy Bass is exactly the type of guy they're looking for. So look at that, an Oklahoma City guy going to play some OU football. Come on, Ted, let's go. I know. It's impressive. And he's, he's listed as a three-star and – Frankly, I don't think he's a, a three-star kid. I mean, I think he's better than that. And uh, to get him and to get him as a as a preferred walk-on spot, I I think that I think that's that's huge. Like you go around the country and look at preferred walk-ons, they don't look like this. They don't play like this anywhere. So that it's a massive get for Oklahoma and. It already it already feels like in just a very short amount of time, it already feels different in state, doesn't it? With the recruiting, oh, yeah. way different, yep. right? And that matters, man. Like these high school coaches, these players, like feeling more appreciated. And this is going to sound stupid, but just like more seen mm-hmm. by this staff, that matters. Right? It matters, and it uh, it sounds like Venables. You know, they're reestablishing and rebuilding some of these relationships that had just kind of gone away. Yeah. Right. And you, you got to keep the best players in the state here. You just absolutely have to. And there's no doubt they're putting a big emphasis on it. And they're also doesn't hurt when you go and land a guy like Eli Bowen either. Right. Yeah. Now, especially he commits to OU over Texas. Now, clearly 
He's Peyton Bowen's younger brother. Doesn't have the same physical build as his brother, right? Which is why he's not a five-star like Peyton was. But I'll tell you, man, I watched every highlight I could find of this kid. Really good feet. Really competitive, right? When, when the ball's in the air, looks really smooth. When he's speed turning, like he's one of these corners, you're like, that guy has the hips of a corner. And then there's some clips of him returning interceptions. That dude knows what to do with the ball in his head. Like he's a, he's got a really fun highlight tape. Like I was expecting something good. I was like, okay. And I was really impressed. Not the biggest guy in the world, but Hey, that's okay. I mean, it is what it is. The guy, the guy looks like he can make plays. So I was pretty impressed with what I've seen from him. Yeah. It sounds like, like pretty much the common thought on him is that he's, he doesn't have the height like his brother, but maybe a little bit more explosive. Um, he looks fast. As, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more explosive, which, you know, it is at the end of the world. Would you like to have uh, all of your guys, you know, six one and, you know, perfect, perfect build and something that you make in a lab? Absolutely. But just not the case. You need, you also need just really good football players on your roster, and he's a really good football player. I, you know, I even asked the question to to someone like, is is, is he getting a bump on his rating because of who his brother is? And they said, no, I I don't I honestly don't think so. Think he would be listed right where he is, even if uh, even if his brother wasn't a five star. Yeah, no, I hear you. I was impressed with what I saw. Now, really good recruiting weekend for the Sooners, good. but now it's time for this team to go win some football games and to no change kidding. the narrative about them. Yep. So, yeah, um, let's get to call your shot. And we ask you guys most important thing that happened this weekend. For OU football, an overwhelming amount of David Stone responses as anticipated. But we got a couple other things that I liked. This first one comes from at T Camp 93, who says, having Freeman, aka G Freaky, getting a scholarship. Do you see that? That was awesome. I, they did their, I, I didn't see it. No, they did their mock game on Saturday, uh, kind of run through everything, warm up like the whole thing. Right, the dress rehearsal, you know, light, light, light little, uh, little session there, but just to get all the details ironed out and put Freeman, uh, uh, put it up on the big screen, got a scholarship as he should. Guy's been, guy's been nothing but a model of consistency since he's gotten to Norman. Yep, I love him. I least shocking thing we've ever seen, right? Uh, yeah. that Gavin Freeman's gonna. Uh, be on scholarship now he's earned it that's awesome um and it's great to to go somewhere take a take a chance like he could have gone on scholarship to some to some other places right take a chance bet on yourself go put in the work and earn the scholarship that's awesome well done yeah in a perfect world OU plays texas tech in the Big 12 title game, and Freeman scores like three touchdowns. And then just yes. points to Joey McGuire on the sideline. Just force feed it, right? Yeah. Just force feed it. Yeah. All right, this other one, I thought this was pretty entertaining. It comes from Missouri Sooner, who says, "Um, someone said we received a commitment from a five-star defensive tackle. 
but that can't be true because I heard a coach say once you can't recruit elite talent to OU. <laughs> that yeah. gave me a good chuckle. That's that's good. That's true. Um, and like I said, that's that's so far that's three and counting in the last two years uh, of elite talent defensively, uh, especially at Oklahoma. So yeah, point proven, I guess, right? Yeah. Well done, Missouri Sooner. Now you got to do it on the field. Yeah, got to do it on the field. All right, birthday shout-outs. Welcome to the world, Sloan Jennings. Happy 29th birthday to Cooper Abercrombie. Happy 48th birthday to Brian Scott. Happy 62nd birthday to Scott Babb. Happy birthday to Chris, still old as hell, Walsh. (laughs) And happy birthday to Grant. Oh my gosh. Oh man. I, I typed this one and prayed that I didn't get it. I'm not going to lie. I'm so glad you have it. And not me. Grant piece of chuby. I think you nailed it. P I S A C H U B B E. Piece of chuby. Piece of chubby. Piece of chubby. Happy Uh, birthday. I think think your gut was right. Piece of chuby. Yes. I think you nailed it. All right, let's recap some week zero football games. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, Be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and some ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. There are actual football games to talk about. I know it. Uh, Don't have to talk about realignment. Don't have to talk about anything. We get to talk about games. How about that? It's be- it's the best thing. It's the best medicine for um for conference realignment crap that continues to go on. <laughs> oh my gosh! How long can we talk about Cal and Stanford? Yeah, let's. I I do not care where Cal and Stanford are going to end up. I'll just I'll just be completely honest. I do care about how good Notre Dame looked though. Yep. A forty-two to three drubbing and only three for one of the saddest sad field goals you'll ever see from Navy with like three minutes to go. But, okay, two things can be true here. Navy isn't a very good football team. And Notre Dame looked really, really solid, especially offensively. Right? I think both are true. I mean, what a debut for Hartman. 19-23, 251, four touchdowns. 
there was, you know, there were a lot of questions about how the transition for him would go from that unique Wake Forest offense to running a more pro style approach at Notre Dame. Ted, he looked fantastic. Offense scored on their first five drives. I mean, Navy's defensive line did not have a chance against that Notre Dame offensive line. Uh, they ran it really well with Estime and Price. Harmon orchestrated, you know, fantastic two-minute drive before the half. Like it was, it was all positive for the Irish. I mean, they look, they look really good. Yeah, and you're right. And I think your point is very important because one of the things that we do in college football that we don't do in NFL football, I guess it does happen in NFL to some degree, but we punish a team for playing really good against someone by saying, well, it's Navy, right? Of course you're supposed to do that against Navy. But, you know, I think you've really got to credit the way Notre Dame came out, looked really solid on both sides of the ball, played super efficient, could have kept going if they wanted to as as efficient as they were playing. And, uh, yeah, I think everything looks like a, a success so far whenever you got the new quarterback into your system. Everyone was was curious to see how it looks. It come away looking pretty clean in game one. So uh, you got to be happy with it if you're Notre Dame. Yeah, and you think about, I mean, the circumstances aren't exactly ideal for Notre Dame in that game. Right. You're playing the damn game in Dublin, right? You're a massive favorite. I mean, there's there's a recipe there for to come out flat, and they just didn't do that at all. They punched Navy straight in the face, and that game was over quick. Mm-hmm. And we, I feel like we all know how those players for the Naval Academy are wired, right? Those are some tough dudes, man. And Notre Dame's O-line and Notre Dame's defensive line absolutely punked those guys that's the only way to say it i mean they absolutely controlled the football game and you know that's impressive i don't care how much more talented they are to go into a game against an academy and push them around the way that they did i was i was impressed and now clearly not the not the debut brian newberry was looking for as navy's head coach but all of a sudden, you look at Notre Dame. They haven't had a guy like of Hartman's caliber in quite some time. Man, it. I don't know. I start looking at that Notre Dame schedule and maybe start viewing that team a little differently. That's true. That's true. Yeah they they um they've got it. They've got a good schedule in a sense that it's got the right names on it to where it's not going to be held against you, right? Where where you make it through, you've got enough big names in there, and we'll see with them. And if if they continue to get that type of quarterback play from Hartman, that efficient, nineteen of twenty three for two fifty one and four touchdowns, I don't expect it to look like that every week. But you know, it looks like he's benefiting from having you know some good pieces around him and a good solid offensive line. So it's interesting. We'll see. I. It's definitely interesting because he looked completely in control of that offense. Yep. And you look at the schedule a couple weeks now, they got to go to NC state. That's not exactly a layup. They play Ohio state and USC at home. 
Now they got to go to Clemson, but you've got some serious, you know, marquee games there for Notre Dame. And now you start to wonder, hey, is Sam Hartman the type of guy that can lead him to, you know, an 11 and one season? Yep. Something like that. I, I think it's just it's unrealistic to expect them to run the table, especially when you talk about Ohio State, USC, and Clemson. But I mean, with what we saw from USC's defense, and I know we'll break down that game, but I think I, I think Notre Dame's offense could push them around a little bit, score a bunch of points. Like I could see them beating them, especially with that game being in South Bend. Like there's a path to them being an 11-1 football team and going to the college football playoff and Sam Hartman being in the Heisman Trophy conversation, like that's that feels much more attainable after what we just saw. Now, got to have some injury luck. Like some things got to go your way. There's no doubt about it. But maybe I'm just overreacting to what we saw, but I, w- I was well, really impressed. It, I mean, it is. there is a lot of that where, okay, it's one game. Let's not get ahead, our, ahead of ourselves. But to forecast it out, here's the thing you got to remember. Ohio State's replacing a quarterback, too. Now, yeah, yeah. they've got a good history of replacing quarterbacks, right? And next guy up there has, has been pretty impressive. So, you know, but it's still a fact that they have to replace quarterback, and you just sometimes you never know. Clemson has to replace a quarterback. I know Klubnik got a little bit of play last season, not a lot. But it's still a fact that you just don't know necessarily on on where Clemson's quarterback situation is going to be. And USC, you know, the question remains about how good are they going to be defensively. So, yeah, none of those games do you say that Notre Dame has no chance of winning them. So, yeah. yeah. yeah I would actually favor them against USC and Clemson today with what I know because I know more about Notre Dame than I do those schools at the moment. Yeah. Now you're you're expecting Ohio State to be a much more talented team, mm-hmm. right? That's just that's kind of where they're at. But I did not think Notre Dame was going to be in a playoff conversation really at any point this season. And after seeing that, I was like, okay, I it's not the craziest thing in the world. Now, last thing on this game, I think we can all agree that Sam Hartman is a it's a good looking dude, man. Beard, <laughs> hair. That's a hey. He looks like he was made in a lab to be Notre Dame's quarterback. Okay. Yep. Yep. It, but how do we how do we feel about the rib necklace? Like he had the rib surgery. His mom had the necklace made. I feel like that's only something someone that attractive can get away with because that's it's that's weird, right? It's weird. That he's wearing yeah. a necklace with his surgically removed rib on it. That's strange. Like you, you only get away with that being as attractive as he is. Yeah, you think it's a like he feels like he has to. Oh yeah. How do you think his feeling of it is? Thanks, mom. Oh, cool. This is awesome. <laughs> I love being reminded of this painful stretch of my life all the time now. I. They were doing the little special, like, oh, how thoughtful of his mom. I was like, that's weird, man. <laughs> that's strange. <laughs> uh, Could you uh, imagine your mom giving you that? It'd be like, okay, I love you, mom. Because you got to wear it, right? You got to wear it. Have to. It could be one of those things where it looks so good that I just, I don't want to have the chance of breaking it or losing it. So I'm going to keep it right here in this safe place instead of wearing it. Yeah. I'm going to display it at my house. 
That's right. I don't want it to get broken, but yeah, that was that was one of those things where the whole thing I was like, you got to be, got to be really good looking to point uh, to pull that <laughs> off. And mom, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, really what are we do? But hey, the power of the rib necklace, right? He can't change it now yep. after the way he just played. Like you got to ride it out. Yep, that's right. That's right. Strange. All right. <laughs> USC gets a win. 56 to 28 over San Jose State. This just in Caleb Williams still very good at football. Now, yeah. O line, I'm not gonna lie, was a little leakier than I thought it was gonna be, especially in the first half. But I would anticipate them get getting some of that ironed out. The couple of young guys, right? Started a true freshman at guard. But Man, between Caleb Williams and the playmakers they have at wide receiver and at running back, this just in that offense is going to be fun to watch. But that's not the question, right? That that that's never been the question when it comes to a Lincoln Riley team. The question coming into this season was clearly what's Alex Grinch's defense going to look like? And I don't think anyone came away from that game feeling any better about USC's defense. Is that fair to say, Ted? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, I don't know if, if that is, I, I, so I saw someone have the take that it, it's clear that Lincoln Riley uh, cannot, put together a good defense. It happened at Oklahoma. It's happening at USC. Um, I don't know that that is, I, I know that that track record is there, but I don't know that you can conclude that on this season from one game right out of the gate. I, right. I don't think you can necessarily do that because you have to remember one of the things that they've done is, kind of decide that we're going to live in the transfer portal quite a bit. So they've got a lot of portal additions. You know, there's, you know, that means that guys are still coming online with the system and with the scheme. And so you got to give it a little bit more time, but it's not a good start. And part of the problem for Lincoln Riley is whether it's fair or not, perception is reality. And that's not an uncommon take. You'll see that all over the place. And recruits see that and hear that too, right? And that hurts you in recruiting on the defensive side because they put an emphasis there. They they dedicate resources there to recruiting that side of the ball. It's just difficult to get over that that block that you have out there for the perception that you just don't dedicate any time or, or resources or, or or attention to the defensive side of the ball. And it's got to be extremely frustrating for him. Um, we'll see how the rest of this season. Like this is this going to be Grinch's last opportunity? I feel with Lincoln Riley, he won't have a choice but to but to move on if this year doesn't show improvement. Yeah, and I watched the entire game. Their defensive front looks better. I mean, physically, mm -hmm. I I thought Bear Alexander. But you go look at the box score, and if you didn't watch the game, you're like. But he had no production. He was really disruptive. I thought he showed a lot of suddenness. Like he was in the backfield a lot. Anthony Lucas, the guy on the edge for them, number six. 
He's about the only guy I've seen that can match the physical traits of PJ. Yeah. But he looks like a mutant out there with the length of his arms, like that size. Like that, he looks like he can be a guy. You know, they that defensive front, they look better physically. The question becomes for me is, will Grinch recognize that and play some straight defense more, man? It's like yep. the third and 22 is a perfect example. You've got all these new fancy transfer toys across the defensive line. It's third and 22. You're going double mug, like triple twists, trying to spy with Mason Cobb. He gets lost in the wash. Cordero runs for a first down. It's third and 22, man. You got these guys. Rush four and play coverage. Let those guys rush the pass. Yep. Like, uh, the... I feel like some of the over-aggressiveness, like they have to realize at some point that they have to let these players that they have acquired go make plays instead of doing all the slanting and angling. It's like, and you and I, we, I don't think we've kept it a secret. We were not a huge fan of that philosophy when he was at OU, despite how much we loved Grinch. It's just, will they get to the point? And they did it some in the game. Like, they just rushed four, and they had success doing it. Like, will he realize, hey, we can just do this more and not have to play as much zero and just some of this overly aggressive stuff that I don't think they have to do? Yeah. I, I've i said it a million times. Correct. I hate the spy. I hate it, especially on third and 22. You don't need a spy. Just play cover two. You don't need a spy. You got five underneath guys, right? I'd rather have five underneath guys, zone players, come up and rally and make the tackle on the quarterback than run spy, and everyone's got their back to the football and leave it up to one guy to make the play that may get bumped off or knocked off, uh, choose the wrong hole to to add to – uh, you know, there's some times where it makes some sense, but it, it's like defensive coordinators at time use it as a as a justification to do whatever they want to on the back end. Well, the spy handles the quarterback. We'll we'll do whatever we want back here and play man to man. Whenever you don't need that, there's no reason to put that pressure on one player when you just spread the net underneath and be able to absorb that with a bunch of different players, but. I don't know. I let's continue to watch quarterbacks scramble for first downs because the spy player couldn't make the play because he has the entire field to defend against one guy who's if you're spying it means he's a good athlete. Yeah, stupid uh, as hell. <laughs> no, I I was impressed with Cordero for San Jose State. Right, guy's a solid player, but that. That touchdown catch that Nick Nash had, that was a sweet play. Like, San Jose State made some plays, mm -hmm. right? And their offensive line was way more physical, right, than I was anticipating. I'm not going to pretend like I knew a lot about that group coming into the game. That group battled, man. They battled. They played well together. Like, San Jose State, it's going to be interesting to see if they can make any noise. But, yeah, I just think that that defense for SC, it's going to be one of the most heavily scrutinized units in all of college football, 
right? Every single time they step on the field, everyone's going to be focusing on that. I mean, that's just so will, will Grinch in that group, will we see some improvement from him? Right. And I think that, I think they determine ultimately that team's fate, right? When it comes to how it's going to look for them in the Pac-12 race and any possibility of a college football playoff or anything like that, it's going to be determined by that defense. And like we mentioned, no, I don't think anyone came away from this game going, oh, no, 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 I feel much better about SC's defense. I just... Yeah. And it's going to be difficult for them because they have a very unique schedule where they play, what, three non-conference games, then have a bye week, and then they rip off nine straight after playing in week zero. Their regular season is done, what, the 18th of November? Which is weird that they didn't build a extra bye week in there somewhere for them to where they end with the rest of college football. Like, their next idol is going to be the last week before – the conference championship games. It's just a, it's a really weird schedule. The PAC 12 has never been known <laughs> to do its best teams. Any favors. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> when it comes to their scheduling. Now, one last thing from that game. I know there was a lot, you know, a lot of people were focusing on the defense. A lot of people were focusing on Caleb Williams and, you know, it's, it is interesting that when a mistake turns into like your highlight play of the game, Right, dude just fumbles the ball and then chucks it for a 76 whatever yard touchdown. I wonder if he does that on purpose because how many times have we seen him fumble the snap and then pick it up and then make a a touchdown play? Did it against Texas. Just 4D chess from Caleb <laughs> right. Williams. But I think everyone that watched that game came away going Zachariah Branch is going to be an absolute star in college football. A lot of hype coming in, right? Five-star, the whole thing. Ton of hype. Maybe wasn't enough. He looked... I mean, he was putting off serious Reggie Bush vibes. Let's just be real. The return, like the little hurdle, like the stop and start. He is looking like one of these guys that's going to be must-see TV for the next three years. Yep. Boy, he was fun to watch. Yep. You know that, and I know it's San Jose State, right? I know it's he's not playing against elite players, but still, when you see it, you see it, and that kid's got it, right? There's no doubt, and it's just it's it's interesting that it feels like the narrative has turned though, because like whenever you say that in a conversation to someone, and I'm not talking about saying it to another Oklahoma fan because that just doesn't doesn't count but if if you say that to a national person you're going to hear yeah but yeah but of course he's always got great skill guys but when is there going to be one of those guys on defense that's he's fighting that narrative big time right now and this season for usc is going to be it's it's a big one for perception yeah no i'm with you and i we'll see if I just think if Grinch can let some of those guys on that front just go be athletes and make plays, like I really like the Jamil Muhammad guy. That guy was flying around. Bear, Bear Alexander looked good. Anthony Lucas has one of the best physical profiles you'll find of any edge player in the country. 
let those guys be guys, man. And remember that they've got, they also started a true freshman at Mike linebacker, which your football crush, football crush. How do you look? It's, I mean, he looked like a freshman, right? But that's what you expect. It's, it's not, we're going to start a, a sophomore at Mike linebacker. And I expect him to look inexperienced out there and be lost at times. Right. So imagine that as a freshman. So, He's a guy that you expect to get better and better as the season moves on. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, new sponsor alert. <laughs> yes. What is this? The Schooner All-American Ale from Coop Ale Works is the official craft beer of OU Athletics. If you bleed crimson and cream, then this is the beer for you. Buying this beer not only supports OU, but supports a tremendous local business in Coop Aleworks. It's available at OU Athletics venues and is also available at local grocery, liquor, and convenience stores. To find the nearest place to purchase Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerale.com. Must be 21 to purchase, and please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. What a slogan. Come on. The taste of game day. I'm looking forward to that. I've seen the cans. It looks outstanding. I've seen some of the reviews out there in social media. People are loving it. That's going to be awesome. So, it, yeah, we're we're excited to have Coop Ale Works and OU Athletics on board. If you're drinking that beer, send us pictures. Tweet it to us. Tag Coop Ale Works. Tag OU Athletics. We want people. We want people to show them that they're hearing the ad on here and you're drinking the beer. Come on now. Let's go. Awesome. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA Athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica compares coverage offerings and pricing in order to a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Insurica's goal is to help you avoid a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Who's the hottest man in golf right now? Woo! My goodness neon orange pants let's go dang now victor hovland he's got it going right now on a level that uh, frankly i don't have we seen this from someone in a while i mean some of the things that he's doing are just incredible putting up huge numbers and making a lot of money in the process um that dude stands to to make a substantial amount of money but hey, putting Oklahoma State golf back on the map, man. It's it's been awesome to watch him play. Just crushing drives, nailing putts. He's got everything right now. 
He is, he's cooking. I mean, he is absolutely cooking right now. Now, hopefully you're not jinxing him, right? He is, you know, it, things aren't exactly done there at the tour championship, but what are you going, getting into the final round with a six shot lead? Yeah. And he's on fire. On I, fire. the wheels would have to really come off, come off for him not to win this thing. And if he wins it, $18 million coming his way. Man, that's nice. That is. Yeah, sign nice. me up. <laughs> uh, it, it's just been incredible to watch him. And it's funny that he's got a lot of fans on tour and around the um, around the sport because you've seen all these really cool stories like kind of side stories about Victor Hovland coming out, what people are saying and times they've played with him and, and like these different amazing feats that he's pulled off. And um, it's all kind of been bubbling under the surface for him for a while. And it just looks like, you know, golfing feels like it comes in waves for guys. Right. And there's a new guy that gets incredibly hot for, you know, six months or so. And it looks like it's Victor Hovland's turn. I, I think one thing that people really appreciate about him is the outfits and maybe the attitude towards the outfits, right? They ask him over and over and over again, why do you wear such horrible stuff? And I love that. He says, I mean, they, it's, they pay me to wear it, man. That's, that's it. It's that simple. And, but it's just a constant conversation. And he just goes out there and plays awesome golf. Doesn't matter what he looks like. He seems like, and I don't know him at all. Seems like one of the most likable dudes around, right? I haven't heard a bad word about the guy. Mm -mm. I, he is, he's way up there on the list of easy Oklahoma state people to cheer for. Yeah. Like what's there not other than his, the fact that he went to Oklahoma state. What, what is there not to like about Victor Hoffman? Uh, that, he makes hitting at three thirty down the pipe look way too easy and simple. That's a good point. Yeah, that's not cool, man. No, but he is. I mean, he's awesome. Fun to he watch. says all the right things. You know, from everything I can tell, he does all the right things. Just goes out there. He's kind of a softer spoken dude. Seems to giggle a lot. Just plays awesome golf. Yeah, there's a lot of times whenever someone has it going and is starting to enjoy a lot of success there's a lot of yeah but that come out right and and that's part of being on top of the sport at a given time um you're you're gonna attract your amount a fair amount of haters as well but haven't seen any with victor hovland yet it seems like everyone absolutely loves this dude yeah and he's actually he's teeing off right now as we're recording this so right. we we're just putting our faith in Hovland that he's going to finish the job. If he doesn't, it's your fault, Ted. <laughs> I mean, you jinx the guy. And ultimately, since he is an Oklahoma State guy, that doesn't matter to me if I do jinx him. Yeah. But I love, but hey, I enjoy watching him and I want him to win. I'm, I'm with you. Then, oh, what was it? This, what, what did he put up last weekend in the final round? Like a 61? Yeah. Just insane. Deal. No big deal. Just he's just fired 61 course record. No big deal. Yeah. So he's going to make 
20 something million in two weekends. Way to go, Victor Hovley. Good for you, man. That's congratulations. awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations, brother. Where where whatever pants you want, pal. <laughs> do you, man? All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Uh I had to put Otani as my loser. He's he's probably made the uh he's probably the record holder for winner of the week for me because I absolutely love watching the dude play. And it's still the case because with the UCL tear and the Tommy John surgery, now it's no big deal. He's still stepping out there to hit and hitting bombs and, you know, finds out that he's torn the, the UCL and goes out in the second game of the day in the doubleheader and is still hitting the ball and trying to keep his to- uh, team in the fight. Just an awesome dude. Hate to see the injury. And, you know, I love to see guys bet on themselves and go out and and play great whenever free agency is looming. This is one of those where the timing for him is about as bad as it could be. I have a feeling, though, that it's ultimately not going to end up being that much. It's going to not make that much of a uh, a dent in what he's going to earn for the future. Yeah, you, you look at the injury, and this is something he's had before, right? Mm-hmm. He's still the best hitter in baseball. Yeah. Like, that is his – that's his floor. Best yep. hitter in baseball, right? And so, yeah, it sucks because uh, the the uniqueness that he brings, he's just, I mean, it's fascinating to watch, right? It when is. he's raking it at the plate and he's starting that game. Like, it's just, as far as baseball goes for me, like, it's the only must-see TV in baseball other than, like, the playoffs is when he's on the mound and hitting. Like, dude. He has that type of draw, at least for a baseball casual like myself. So, yeah, it sucks. He's still going to make so much money in free agency. And maybe the Angels look at it and go, hey, maybe we can keep him now because because of the UCL injury. But I, I don't know. It was it was a huge bummer when this news came out. I, I think it it was very deflating just for baseball as a whole – because he's he's such a draw, man. Yeah. I, and I'll tell you what's crazy. Like, the old baseball guard is very difficult to impress, you know? And when I hear when I hear friends and, and, and people that follow the sport and are like the traditionalists saying that he may be, I, and statistically it's hard to refute, he may be the best player to ever play the game. Like it's you really can't refute what he's doing on the offensive side and the pitching side at the same time. I it's just flat out never been done. There is no there's there's no record of it on the level that he's doing it. And in this day and age to pull something off like that is incredible. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It's a bummer, but I hope he bounces back completely um we'll see it would not shock me if he's better coming out of it yeah just buy bion- bionic arm <laughs> why not why not we'll <laughs> see all right let's get to my winner and loser but first 
John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They have nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. And here's how it works. Buy a new or used car from them. Then all you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. People, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the new clock rules in college football. I didn't really even notice. Yeah. There's always a lot of TV timeouts. There's always a lot of commercials. I Games seem to move nice and smooth. I, I didn't think it was had some large effect or anything like that. I, I hardly even noticed. They mentioned it on every broadcast. And I still, I thought it was fine. To the untrained eye, there's no difference, right? As in the viewing uh, experience. Yeah, which I think is the goal. I mean, more may get some more commercials, but some of those games were nice and short. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I, I've got no problem with it. I'm, I'm interested to, to see how it affects things, maybe on our end as a, as, as we broadcast things on radio, but I, I think it's, I think it's probably going to get the intended result. Make I'm things a little bit quicker. Yeah. Without well, having a big week. impact on, on like giving teams an opportunity to, to make their comeback and to do things they need to do. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see, you know, teams running a hundred plays in a game or anything like that. Which I, for one, think is a good thing. Agree. So we will uh, we'll see how that pans out, right? Obviously, we'll be keeping track of it throughout the season. But my winner of the weekend, follow me on this one, Ted. I'm going Dak Prescott. First of all, looked like he was pretty involved in the play calling in Dallas's preseason finale against the Raiders. What they scored 31 points. Will Greer balled out. I was like, Will look Greer at Prescott. Looked good, go. man. He looked good. I mean, he really did, and it looked like Dak was pretty involved in, you know, getting some plays in that Greer liked, uh, but I, I I thought it looked efficient, but clearly he he's mainly my winner of the weekend because of the Trey Lance trade. Now, there is, there's no doubt that Dak is the guy in Dallas. There's just no debating that, right? However, I mean, you've got to assume this really caught his attention. And we'll give him a new level of focus. And someone may hear that and go, no, no, no. I mean, he prepares as hard as he can for every game. And uh, okay. But it's just human nature to kind of raise your level because he is no longer the most physically gifted guy in that quarterback room. 
right? And he's got to feel that. And, and I know that everything Dak Prescott does is under a microscope, right? He He's the quarterback for the Cowboys, okay? I get that. But when you watch, when you've got this young guy who's now getting a second chance, who's got all these physical tools now, you know, behind you in that room, I don't, I don't know. I just think it, it changes your perspective a little bit, especially I think he's only under contract through 2024. So I don't know. Am I reaching Ted or could this be a little jolt for Dak Prescott and for him to kind of elevate his play? That's how I see it. I think, I think if he uses it as that, then absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and just kind of see how that dynamic unfolds. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that the pressure it's it's weird. There's no threat to Dak Prescott, but he also has to feel the the overall feeling of him is okay, yeah. Regular season's going to look really good. But in clutch, in moments whenever everything's on the line, how are you going to perform in those situations and you know, whenever there's someone else in the room now where I don't think there's necessarily a threat, but it wouldn't be bad for him to create that threat for himself in his mind to push right. him to the next level. So I'm with you. Yeah. How many, how many times now have we heard about great athletes creating that sense of competition, right? Or, you know, getting Look that at cre- Michael Jordan. Yeah. You want to take it to the psychotic level. Yeah. Like creating that chip on their shoulder any way they could. And that's, I'm thinking that's what Dak can do with them trading for Trey Lance. Now we'll see how he responds to it, but I know it's just something I was, everyone's trying to figure out, well, why would the Cowboys want him? This isn't a great landing spot for Lance. And I don't think it is right. And 49ers just straight up admitted defeat on that whole situation. Like, Hey, we got it wrong. We gave yeah. up three first round picks for the wrong guy. What did you see Shanahan said that he felt like he failed Trey Lance? Yeah. Well, but, hey, man, in, in Trey Lance's defense, sometimes just a a change of scenery and a, a, an opportunity not going the way that you expected it will reset the mindset and reset your frame and, and give you an opportunity to go out and have a little bit of a rebirth, if you will. Yeah. No, so I think it's uh, the entire dynamic of the situation is interesting mm-hmm. to me, but I, I think it could be ultimately could be a very positive thing for Dak Prescott. I, I just got to say, man, and I know you know this, but the Dallas Cowboys never fail to provide the greatest uh, watching experience in history because of either the success or the failure. It is going to. It's going to be something dramatic, and this season's going to be no different, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my loser of the weekend, LSU defensive tackle Mason Smith. He is going to be suspended for their marquee matchup against Florida State. That'll be prime time next Sunday night. So it's basically Sunday night football, and he's going to be suspended for that game for doing an autograph signing all the way back in 2021, like a few weeks before NIL officially started. And this is something he did the signing with Kayshawn. 
that guy's name was Boutte, and then it went to Booty. Like they just changed up the pronunciation apparently overnight. But by uh, Joe Dierte. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Classed it up. But and he served that he's wide receiver for he was wide receiver for LSU. He served this suspension last year, right? Because this this is something they knew about a year ago when the NCAA's ruling came down. But Smith blew his knee out in the opener on the first drive of the uh, of the year last season. So we couldn't serve the suspension. So now he's having to serve it in the biggest, like the marquee game of week one of college football, because of course the NCAA would do that. Why would you want arguably LSU's best defensive lineman to play in a game that has massive implications, that has a standalone TV slot, that every college football fan on the planet is going to be watching? Yeah, why would we want to watch the best players go at it? The NCAA would rather use that as an opportunity to try and show everyone that they still matter, that they can still press their thumb on somebody if they want to. So you better follow the rules because here's what we could do to you. I That's my guess. I mean, to, it's like a, a show to stay relevant, I guess. It's so annoying. All we want to do is watch the best teams play each other and watch the best players for those teams play. That's it. I don't care that the guy signed autographs. And if you're one of those people, well, he broke the rules. Who cares? We got guys getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to go play at places now. And we're worried about an autograph signing two years ago. Who cares? Just let me watch him play against Florida State's O-line. That's all I want to watch. Suspend him one game, but they get to choose what game he's suspended. Any other game. Any game but that one. I just Which, it credit Florida State for trying to change their schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about LSU? Yeah. Did you see that from Ross Dellinger? Well, yeah. What did I say? I meant LSU. Yeah, I, I guess they tried State. to tried to schedule a week zero game so that he'd be suspended for that one instead of the Florida State game. I you have to respect the hell out of that, don't you? I love it. And <laughs> hey, Mason Smith has been banged up in their training camp, like a bit of an ankle issue, I guess. But still, I mean, this is a guy that you know, is a difference maker. And this is the marquee game of the first full opening weekend of college football. And instead of us being excited about the matchup and talking about the teams, there's going to be a game day segment and a Fox big noon segment all about this suspension. And it's so annoying. It doesn't have to be this way. NCA stop it. And Maybe this is dramatic, but there's a there's a pretty decent chance that this game could determine a college football playoff spot. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, one player maybe doesn't make the difference, but maybe it does. Maybe it does. I – if he – lives up to the hype it absolutely does like he absolutely yeah. is a difference maker now this could be the reality situation for either one of these teams because you could say well you lose the opener you still got the rest of your season left yeah but then you got to be perfect the rest of the way essentially right which is not easy man i mean it's just not especially yeah. when you look at lsu's schedule they're in the sec west like it's just not nope so i just i hate it 
I hate it that we're not going to get to see him play. I, I, I'm still very excited for that football game. I do have one more thought on it. Okay. If you're LSU, should have just lied and said he was ready for the bowl game and then just sat him. Well, now he tore his ACL, but you can, it's been, he's recovered so quickly. You know, he's ready to go. And then the NCAA said, no, 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 he's suspended. All right, he'll serve his one-game suspension in the bowl game. There you go. Or they could have lied in the very beginning. The MRI was inconclusive. We're going to see if he's ready to go next week. Yeah. And then you're suspended. And up turns out that, you know, we went back for a second opinion, and yeah, it's torn. Well, I I think they found out like a third through the season Uh, or like halfway through the season last year. So you're right. Then yeah, the bowl game would have been better. This is where we're at NCA. We're coming up with schemes because of your guys' silliness. You think the NCAA would have shown up and put him through like the test to make sure he's ready in an independent orthopedic evaluation. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's frustrating, man. We just want to watch the best players play in the big games, guys. Suspend him for another game. It didn't have to be this one. (sighs) Frustrating. On that note, episode 348 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Wednesday. It's game week, baby. Let's go. All right. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have an awesome start to your week. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time